Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to your God's Love podcast. This podcast is all about holistic health, sacred sexuality, and spirituality. I have Ayla Cuenca here, and she is a holistic birth guide. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to talk to you. Yes, definitely. I saw you on a mutual friend's podcast, and he was actually on mine. I was like, ooh, we got to get you on the show. So, so excited to have you here. Yes, thank you. Thank you, thank you. I've been following your work for quite some time, and I'm, I love everything you put out. There's so many overlaps with birth and my work, so this is a beautiful homecoming. <laughs> yes, definitely. Okay, so tell everybody, what are you, like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'd like to think I'm lifting the veil, or a veil. Um, so I'm primarily a birth educator. So I, I work a lot with couples who are in, or individuals who are in the preconception phase of their journey, or already in the pregnancy phase of their journey, or about to birth, or have just recently birthed. So there's kind of this beautiful arc that I like to be in as far as the guidance that I'm offering. Um, and, you know, at the level of awareness and consciousness around their own body and their birth experience and their parenting, it's different for everyone. So I just try to meet people where they are, see where they want to go, and then offer the resources that I can throughout that process. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I really work with people from all walks of life, you know, from very conventional to very um, alternative and everywhere in between. So primarily working as a birth educator and then as a doula, uh, which is a coach, like an emotional and physical support coach during pregnancy and birth and postpartum. And I also practice Reiki, which is an energy work. Um, and I'm a mother. Yes, I love all that. Okay, and then before we start recording, you were talking about the importance of a setting and an environment when a woman gives birth. Go into why is that so important? Yeah, so, oh my goodness. So imagine an animal, right? Um, an animal births out in the wild or you know in someone's back garden it's very instinctual for them there is no birth plan there is no medical team <laughs> there is no doula <laughs> it's really a reliance on the body's natural capabilities you know, birth is labor and birth are a normal physiological function they're a byproduct birth and labor are a byproduct of pregnancy it's like defecating, like vomiting, like orgasming. It's just something the body knows how to do. Um, and so now we have this factor of birth settings, meaning different places we can give birth. And so what I invite people to do is to really imagine where they feel the most comfortable. And so when women tell me, you know, I hate hospitals, I get nervous every time I go to the doctor to get blood drawn, or you know, my blood pressure goes up, I can feel my heart racing, but I'm going to give birth in a hospital because that's the safest place to be. That's, you know, there's a duality there. There's a contradiction there because the safest place to be is not the place with all the technology. The safest place to be is where you feel that you can completely open and surrender to your physiological process. And for a lot of women, that's in their own bedroom, right? If you can't orgasm in a hospital in front of six people, it's going to be really hard to give birth in that same setting. So where would you feel comfortable orgasming? Is it in a pool of water? Is it in, a, is it in your bedroom? Is it in your bathtub at home? Is it in a, in, a, in a birth center, perhaps, with 
you know, two midwives that you've been working with for six months who you now feel can see you in any light, right? So that's something that I invite people to really think about is what is the setting? Why am I choosing this setting? And really breaking that down and imagining, you know, would I defecate in this setting? <laughs> would I orgasm in this setting? Would I completely open up in this setting? And that takes you into the next chapter, which is who is present for this experience. Mm. And <laughs> you know, you go into a hospital, you've never met the nurses. Maybe you have in a tour, but no one's doing hospital tours. Everyone's doing everything on Zoom. So you've never met the nurses. You've had a few meetings with your doctor. Um, you might know the backup doctor, you might not. You don't know any of the neonatal baby nurses, neonatal doctor you've never met. So you're basically walking into a strange environment with a bunch of strangers. And then you're expected to completely open up and birth your baby smoothly and easily. And it's quite difficult to do. So setting is important. That's something I really invite people to think about, meditate on um, before, they, before they go into this process. Wow. And oh my God, y'all, I, I love the way you just said that too, because I've never heard someone say, oh, okay, you know, if you don't feel comfortable having an orgasm there, then why would you feel comfortable having a baby? That's a really good analogy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then that's a great segue into going into feminine container because, right. you know, as both of the work that we're both doing, helping women surrender in their feminine is vital. Yeah. Yeah. So in the way that, Oh man, such a, <laughs> such a big topic. So in the way that someone who wants to be primarily in a high vibration feminine. So like whatever conditions they need for that, which is typically someone who can polarize them because that other person or that other dynamic, you know, that dynamic, whoever's carrying that dynamic is in the high vibration of their masculine. And this doesn't necessarily have to be a man or a woman. <laughs> it can be two women in a dynamic. Um, but there's always someone who will identify more in the masculine, identify more in the feminine. And so when there is a healthy container created by that dominant masculine, that feminine has the ability to dance and feel really safe and to surrender. And so that is what you can imagine creating with your birth team. Do they create that safe container for you? Um, does the midwife or the doctor or the doula or your partner, you know, the, the baby daddy, who creates that container? Are they doing it properly? And that's something that you can really understand and know in the pregnancy. It's not something that's surprised. We're at the birth and now we're figuring it out. That's something that you have the luxury to meditate on and plan throughout the pregnancy. And that's why after a lot of women take my classes, they usually switch out of the current medical care that they have into someone else's care. Or they even go into a free birth situation, which is having no medical provider. And that's a whole other conversation. But they'll say, yeah, I've been working with a specific doctor, male or female. And I realize that every time I go in there, I clam up, my heart, you know, my blood pressure goes up. I don't necessarily feel like I can ask the questions I want to ask. There is no container for her to just surrender and be in her feminine. So they then go on a hunt to find a practitioner that can offer them that. And then that's what they then look for in a doula or another support person. And then that's what falls on the partner to offer as well. You know, are we creating that container where she could just put on a blindfold in labor and completely let go and have this baby and not be 
going into her masculine where she's like, hey, did you call so-and-so? Did you cook this? Did you do that? You know, going into the planning and the logistics, you don't want that to be the scenario for the woman in this labor and birth process. So, so yeah, there's, a, there's that kind of macro container for the entire birth experience that a woman can say, hey, this is who I'm going to recruit. This is the support that I'm going to recruit so that I can be in full surrender state and feel safe. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I was recently working with a woman who was talking about how, you know, she was like, I want to get married. What are you doing next steps? It's kind of the same thing with what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Okay, what is he doing? Is he planning the wedding? Is he, you know, planning the engagement? Is he, you know, is he leading? And I think that we don't have that a lot in our culture. And so many women are so used to playing both parts that it's like, oh, do I even trust you to surrender? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I know. Um, some of the exercises we do in my classes to see if the partner can go into that masculine because maybe they've never been afforded the opportunity to explore that. Um, I I do a whole portion of the class where I ask the partner to build conviction around why they're doing the birth a certain way. So. For example, if their plan is to have an unmedicated birth with no drugs, no opiates, <laughs> no epidural, I ask the partner to build conviction around that choice for himself, right? Why is this important to you? And so once they build that conviction and they become kind of directed, then they can really offer her that support. Because a lot of partners show up and say, yeah, like, of course I support my partner. She's great. Whatever she wants, I'll do it. Just let me know. And I'm like, well, actually, you can take initiative to create structures for her. But first, you need to know why you're doing this. You need to know why you've opted for an unmedicated birth. You need to know why it's important for the health of your child and your partner that you're unmedicated. And once you have conviction, you can create directives, and then you can create the container for her. I love that. Yeah, because I think that as our culture as a whole, I've talked to so many of my guy friends, like they want to be in that masculine. They want to be, uh, you know, that empowered masculine man. But I think that what you were saying is right. They have never been given the opportunity to do that or not know how to do it. Right. And and look at all these parents. I mean, this is something I see a lot. It's like the helicopter parenting where you don't even let your son or your daughter climb onto something without kind of lunging towards them and saying like, don't climb up there. You're going to fall. Right. So it's like from the beginning, we're already instilling fear in the child's capabilities. And then, you know, we're spoon feeding them. We're holding them as they crawl. We're holding them as they walk, you know, we're doing, and that's different than attachment parenting. This is just straight up having a fear-based approach to parenting. And that's going to create a breeding ground for a child who's incredibly insecure and uncomfortable with tapping into leadership. Um, and so I think this is a huge, I mean, it's a huge epidemic for, for male, <laughs> male children. Um, and I see that a lot in like my generation. It started happening a lot in the 90s, the 80s and 90s. And really now, you know, with my contemporaries and other parents, I see it's just this don't go barefoot. You're going to step on something. You're going to hurt. Don't climb on that. You're going to fall. Don't eat that. You're going to, you know, it's like you have to let the child try things out. You know, if you tell your child, hey, you're going to feel sick if you eat that cupcake, and then the child eats the cupcake and doesn't feel sick, they're going to look at you and think, I can't trust you. You told me this was going to happen, and then it didn't happen. 
So it's a consciousness around words and the vibration around the words, right? Hey, child of mine, when I eat cupcakes, I don't really feel great. So that might happen, just letting you know, go ahead and try it, see how you feel, right? And just kind of giving them the opportunity to be more autonomous in their decision-making. So it really comes from the birth, the early childhood rearing that I think would be the first opportunity to give both masculine and feminine an opportunity to see what it is to be polarized into their own autonomous experience. Yeah, because I saw this, I'm trying to think of what this book is. It's something about the lie of comfort or something about how we're, we've created a society where we're too comfortable, you know, mm. and that is essentially kind of adding to what you're saying in the sense where the parents are running around like they're in so much fear and then they put the fear onto the kids. Yeah, yeah. When really it seems like the world's the safest it's ever been. <laughs> I mean, I remember, like, I grew up in LA uh, near Pasadena and, like, as a kid in the late 80s, early 90s, it was like, we would just take our bikes after dinner, go and like, run around, ride around, like sweating, falling on the asphalt, scraping our knees, like going into people's, you know, back alley driveways and coming home two hours later and like washing up, going to bed. And it's like, now I don't see kids playing on the street anywhere. I mean, I live in Miami, but I'm like, there's no everyone's inside children are on devices we live in this idea that we're in a fear-based matrix that you know someone's gonna take our kid or that they're gonna get a sunburn or that they're gonna catch something if they're you know exposed to dirt and germs and so there's just so many things informing that fear-based matrix that keeps the child inside and on a device and we're so comfortable but we're in so much fear it's like yeah yeah Definitely. And then going to, too, I remember you mentioned this in the podcast with Nick about, you know, women having, how her spiritual health really adds to, because I talk a lot about spirituality uh, contributing to sexuality, but really one way you put it was her spiritual health with her partner and then her spiritual health with herself. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're basically wondering like what what that could, what that looks like, or like how someone. Yeah, in terms of like what is, like why does that matter? In terms of blocked heart chakra, how, how oh, can yeah. a woman tell if her heart is blocked? Because sometimes for me personally, there, it goes in and out, right? Sure. Well, yeah, I mean, I think there's a difference between the heart chakra being blocked and not feeling open to receiving love versus your animal, your animal body is simply telling you something is just not right. Right. So those are the, those are, that's important to distinguish. Um, and so, you know, if your animal's body is telling you, like, I walked into this room, I'm uneasy. We usually stuff that down and say, well, I'm a, I'm an introvert or I'm not a social butterfly or we, we gaslight ourselves. <laughs> and what's really happening is like, no, I'm just like, my animal body is not down with this dynamic. My animal body is not resonating with this other animal body. And like, I don't need to be here. There's nothing wrong with me. <laughs> I just don't need to be here. Um, so there's that, um, you know, it's the same thing. I'll just tie it back to birth. It's like you meet with a medical provider and you're like, well, I kind of like them. They seem like they're really experienced. Everyone on Yelp recommends them. But when I walked in, I didn't really want to open up. I didn't really feel comfortable like getting on the table, opening my legs, doing an exam, like the, none of that felt right to me. And then we gaslight ourselves and say, well, you know, it's just cause I'm closed off. And historically I just, you know, 
whatever, whatever stories we tell ourselves. It's like, you know, your animal body's telling you this is not the right person to be in this space with you. And that's okay. And like moving on, you know, let's move on to something else, find something new. So in the case of the heart chakra being blocked, um, you know, sometimes there is, I mean, not sometimes, all the time, we all have unresolved incidences that manifest into trauma. So, you know, an incident occurs and we go into this hyper state into the sympathetic nervous system. And then that situation continues to live on if we don't find a way to self-regulate or co-regulate and bring us back down and say, yep, I was getting chased by the bear, but now I'm safe. And that, that was what it was. You go back into your breathing, you understand that you're out of danger. Some people don't afford themselves that opportunity or don't have anyone to help them. So they stay in that state of survival where they're continually in the, in the bear chase state. And then they go into other situations and other situations and it just starts to compound and compound. So if a woman has been in that state for quite some time due to some, you know, molestation, violation, um, anything like that, and it was not resolved which often it's not because it's not something that we're open about and that there, there are not a lot of resources um, for that healing that are easy to tap into. So I work with a lot of women who that is unresolved for them. And so birthing, we can meet a lot of challenges when we get into the birthing space because they, they can't find a practitioner that's sensitive to that. They can't even connect with their partner. They feel uncomfortable with the idea of anything coming out of the vaginal canal, right? Because everything that has gone to that area since or something that happened in childhood was not pleasant. And so activating that space, the thought of activating that space and that portal is like unreasonable. Like I've even had women say, you know, I, I want to do a C-section because I just, I can't imagine the thought of anyone that I don't trust being in that space. So understandable. However, if there's something that, that, that if there's a block that strong, it's worth looking into because after you have that C-section, after the baby's born and it's in your life, that didn't go away and it's going to keep coming up. Whatever that block is, is going to keep coming up in other ways. When we then need to educate our child about their genitalia and their autonomy and their safety, it's going to be difficult to have that conversation and educate our child because we can't even face what has occurred in our past. So it has resounding effects to hold on to whatever it is and not confront it. And I think that becoming pregnant is the perfect opportunity to get into alignment with what has happened and what has occurred. And then for you and your partner to be in open communication about what has occurred for both of you and what this birth could potentially bring up and what it means to have these portals activated for the both of you. Um, so it's a beautiful opportunity if, if people can make it happen to, you know, go to a retreat together where you're exploring masculine and feminine, do some somatic experiencing, really understanding where you're storing these memories and this trauma, doing this together gives your partner this, the perspective to be able to support you and hold space for you when they know where you're coming from. Um, and clearing that pathway for communication will make parenting so much more fluid and harmonious and, and empowering. Um, but a lot of people, you know, don't, don't go that route. So I encourage people to do that. And obviously, if you can't go to a retreat, there are books, there are online workshops, there are podcasts, there, you know, there are different techniques to do where you can start peeling back those layers. And like I said, lifting the veil to see um, 
how you can really work collaboratively, collaboratively to be in alignment with each other and what you've experienced in the past and move forward together. Mm, yeah. And you make such a good point though, because I think that, uh, what's that movie? The business of giving birth is what it's called. Oh yeah. Business of being born. Is oh Ricky, yeah. Ricky Lake documentaries. I, yes. yep. I think, um, you know, and even like around, I used to be in corporate. So it's like that corporate mindset yeah. of, Oh, listen, just schedule your C-section. You can be back to work so soon. No big deal. But it's like, we've completely taken out the sacredness of it. And I love what you're doing. The work that you're doing is bringing that back of, Hey, um, if you don't, if you want a C-section and you're pro that, let's really look into why you're so against that and go towards the, you know, yeah. Yeah. And on the same token, when I have clients who come to me and have this immediate reaction, like there is no way in hell <laughs> I'm going to the hospital for anything. I don't deter them from the choices they're going to make. I always just like to, to go into why there is such a strong reaction to one place or the other, because there's always information there. And hey, if something were to shift, <clears throat> excuse me, if something were to shift in the birth and you did have to go into the hospital or you did have to do a visit at the hospital to do an additional check for something, you have to also be open and comfortable going into that space. So I need to know as, as part of your birth team and as a guide who's just, you know, witnessing and, and supporting you, I need to know why there's a charge there. It's not right or wrong, but knowing why the charges there can allow you to be more fluid. And that's what we want. We want to be in a surrender state. And if we're holding on and we have this charge and I swear the universe just gives you the medicine you need. And it's sometimes it's those really extreme, like almost reactive and angry situations where like I'm avoiding the hospital at all costs, you know. I feel the same way for so many reasons, but it's those situations that I see like they need to then do additional visits to a doctor's office because something came up or, you know, like the, the universe is trying to bring you back to that so you can confront it. Right. Yeah. So very important to, to investigate. Mm, so funny. Okay. That's a good point. Good point. Yeah. I think that, um, what is it? You know, the, uh, the external world is just a mirror, right? So I, yes. I love that belief. Yeah. 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 Okay. So go into how can women, cause I'm fascinated by this cause I haven't had kids yet and this is what I desire to have. But in terms of having an orgasmic birth, you know, so many people want to talk to them about that and they all think it's a load of B BS, you know? Yeah. Well, it's possible. Um, is it easy to just do? No, not really. Cause there's, a, there's a lot there. So an orgasmic birth is where a woman can actually feel an orgasm during the labor process, maybe even multiple orgasms as the baby's passing through. And this has, going back to the beginning of our conversation, this has a lot to do with the environment in which the woman is birthing in. If you're not able to orgasm in a bright room full of strangers, most likely that little orgasmic birth class you took is not gonna work for you in the hospital. So it's important to understand the environment and knowing that you're fully safe and fully comfortable to open up there. Um, and then it has to go into, and then we go into breathing, right? And being really tapped into the breathing. And basically, you know, it, people breathe 
all types of ways uh, during intercourse and there is no specific way to breathe for one person during intercourse. I have my ideas and my opinions and I think it's very similar to how we breathe in birth, um, but it is more slow, it is more intentional, it is through the nose. And so when a woman does become intentional in that breathing during labor and during birth, she can accomplish that. If we're staying in that chest breathing and it's really fast and we're kind of like starting to pump more adrenaline through the system because we're kind of tense and we're kind of, you know, we're in fear, we're not going to orgasm that way. It's the more slow, intentional nasal breathing that can really bring us down into that space. Um, but orgasm is a beautiful thing to have in labor and in birth because it does contract the uterus more right? The release of oxytocin really brings the uterus to contract more intensely, which helps push the baby out. So some women, you know, I recommend in labor, if things start to slow down, I encourage them to just go into the room with their partner, have sex, have an orgasm. And usually that picks everything right back up again. Um, if a woman is kind of like stalling a little bit at a certain spot, you know, she's, sometimes women hold on a little bit, they're not quite surrendering, I'll encourage them to either have intercourse or to go into a space, you know, that's private or wherever they want and to masturbate and to, and to practice self-pleasure and to bring on their own orgasm. And then I see the baby come out shortly after. Um, so that oxytocin, the endorphins that you get, like all of that really assists in the birth process. So. I think if you're really looking into an orgasmic birth, there's a great book out there called Orgasmic Birth. But then going beyond that, planning a birth that's going to be in a setting that is like your dream setting, right? Like dream boarding your birth. <laughs> Who's there? What are the smells? Where is it? Uh, you know, what are we listening to? What am I wearing? You know, all the things that you would need to create that beautiful sacred space for yourself. Do it. There is, there, the, the sky's the limit, really. Um, and so that also comes down to the practitioner. So if you want that orgasmic birth, you really got to like dream big and think of where am I going to be the most happy, the most comfortable. And of course, let's be realistic. Plans always change. Sometimes your labor is going to be an hour. You're not going to have a chance to diffuse the thing or light the candle or do whatever. It's going to be fast. And Hey, that's just the way that it is, you know? Um, so, mm, yeah. And then have you seen women, um, have you like, have you seen women have orgasmic births or that's not that common for you? Yeah, I've a, a few, a few. Um, one woman, it wasn't even intentional. She was just really in that focused breathing space. Her partner was behind her, rubbing her back, doing a scalp massage. You know, she was at a really heightened state in advanced labor, getting really close to pushing. And then she started to feel kind of like overwhelmed with pleasure. I could see, you know, she was, she was smiling. She started laughing and she just started feeling really open. Like I could see her kind of opening up and she flowed with that sensation and orgasmed, you know, um, maybe, maybe like eight or 10 minutes later, she started really pushing and the baby was out. So, so it's not only during the pushing stage that you might feel an orgasm, it's also in that, that transition period just before you begin to push where you're starting to get a lot of rectal pressure. Um, you know, the baby's head is moving down. There is not a lot of space there. So you have this rectal pressure, you have a lot of pressure on the G spot and <laughs> there's just a lot of stimulation there. And if you can really lean into that and a lot of women can, most women can, but you know, you have to, again, you have to feel safe and you have to feel open. And a woman's feeling like she's being watched or she's being, you know, 
scrutinized in any way, very rare that that can happen. So yeah, I've seen it a few times. Sometimes it was intentionally, you know, it was planned and sometimes it's been surprise. So. Cool. I love it. And then <laughs> I also wrote this down too, before we started talking, any advice for men in terms of just helping them uh, connect more with their bodies or, um, you know, create a safe space? Yeah, during this whole process or in general? Well, both. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, um, I think exploring breath work is a really amazing way for men to start to create a mind-body connection. Because, you know, just right now we exist in a space where we, we're just born, we're, we're raised this way, where mind and body are separate. So breath work, and there's all types of breath work. I like more mellow, like parasympathetic breath work not super activating breath work um but that's a great way to start to connect mind body um i really like the practice of goda um something that it's g-o-a-t-a -A. it's an acronym and um it's a movement system and this has been a, an amazing way for me personally and the men that i have in my life they've all we've all reported back that what we've done is created connections between the mind and parts of the body that we had just never activated or never even gave much thought to um, through different movement systems it's more like primal movement you create these new neural pathways in the brain you start to become more conscious of your breathing you start to become more conscious of how you move in your environment and this is an amazing precursor to observing a woman who's pregnant or observing a woman and supporting her when she's in labor and birthing and also in postpartum. So I like those two, those two practices, you know, just as a starting point. Um, but in the actual birth process, I highly recommend taking a partnered focused birth education class. That is not hypnobirthing. <laughs> um, that is not the hospital class. Um, that is not like a basic online class. I would look into something more like the Bradley method, which is partner coached childbirth. That's what it is. That's the method I trained in. Um, I now teach my own method um, called uncovering birth and it is partner focused. Uh, and if you don't have a partner, it's whoever's going to be your partner in this birth process. It could be your sister. It could be your mother. It could be your best friend. Whoever is in this process with you will join this class and you know, if they're going to be the one that's going to the prenatals with you, if they're going to be the one you're calling, if they're going to be the one who shows up at your labor and your birth, this is the person that's going to take the class with you. So that's what I, that's what I recommend um, as far as male, you know, the male counterpart connecting to this process is the, the starting point is a childbirth education class focused in partner support. Yeah. Mm, I love that. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that is so important. Yeah. Okay, so what final takeaways would you want everybody to have from this conversation? I know we covered a lot, y'all, but <laughs> really powerful. <laughs> and so I just, I would love for everyone to really trust and understand that they have so many choices when it comes to what they do with their body. And there is no outside factor that's going to be a better decision maker than what your intuition is telling you when it comes to birth for experience for example um it's, it's important to be cognizant that we've gotten our birth education from hollywood right primarily and now from a lot of people's birth trauma stories so it's very important to be cognizant that we are existing or we're, we're coming out of this fear matrix right? We're coming out of like 
like even like you said earlier, childbirth is seems like it's painful. Seems like it's a drama. It's like a drama story, right? So it's important to know that you know if you become pregnant suddenly and you're like, what do I do? Where do I go? Talk to a midwife. Contact a doula. Look for a birth class. Google some books before you say, I need to just go straight to the doctor and get on a track because this is where I'm supposed to be. Just know that this is not a medical condition. This is not an illness. This is, no, this is not a diagnosis of any kind. You're simply going through a very natural process. Um, so as far as birth, that's like, you know, that's what I really want to invite everyone to do. It's just understand that you're in a safe space. You have so many options and there is no right or wrong way to do it, except the way that your intuition and your instinct is telling you to go. So, yeah. Yes, I love that you said that though, because that is so true. Like, I haven't even had kids yet, and I think the process sounds terrifying, <laughs> you know, in terms of me looking forward to this, you know, natural process of life. Right. Um, so many women dread it. Yeah. Oh, man, I know. I know. And, and that's okay. Most of us start out there. Again, that's just where we're coming from. But I have worked with, oh man, countless at this point, couples and women who are like, look, something is telling me that I just, I think there's more to this. I want this to be peaceful. I don't want any drama. My sister had a terrible birth. I don't want it to be that way. So what can I do? And I'm like, okay, this is a great starting point. You know, and it, and don't imagine that just because you're talking to someone about resources, you're suddenly going to end up in a yurt with crystals and incense. That's not where this is going. <laughs> it's like, sometimes people worry that it's going to, in order to, you know, when you educate yourself, you're going to end up in this really alternative woo-woo space that you weren't planning on. And hey, that might happen, but it's really just about the empowerment that already exists within you. We just have to activate it and see where you want to go. And yeah, we didn't have birth education over the last millennia, no, thousands and thousands of years, because we didn't have governing bodies that had interests in shifting how we birth. Birth is a business, right? The business of being born. Birth is a business now. As soon as hospitals and pharmaceutical companies got involved, it became a business. And so we have to break away from that and understand that this is a very natural process that does not require a lot for it to get done. Um, so yeah, classes, education, staying off Google, staying off Facebook, <laughs> really go to some more authentic, legitimate sources, no WebMD, <laughs> you know, maybe for other stuff if you want, but not when it comes to this. Mm, and I would also say too, you know, I'm a twin and oh. one of the biggest curses, I know it's such a blessing I'm a twin, but y'all will say that one of the biggest things that I remember my mom said when she found out there were two in there everybody started to put this fear in her. And so I think that right. that is so important. What you're saying, even in the fact that, oh my God, you found you're pregnant. Whoa, honor, audit your circle. <laughs> yes, totally. Yeah, you, yeah. Edit, edit whatever you want. You know, if you start feeling overwhelmed when you get pregnant because suddenly everyone's, everyone wants to give you their opinion, it's like, you got to edit that down because it's going to overwhelm you, right? You have to kind of tap into a few sources that you really trust. And, and move in that way. But once you get pregnant, everyone wants to give you their opinions. And it gets even more intense once you have the baby. <laughs> Everybody's like, this is the right way to do it. So being judicious. And again, what is my instinct telling me? What is my intuition telling me? Not what did my sister do? What did my friend do? What is this pop star doing? None of that. It's going to look different for everyone. 
Yes, definitely. Okay, so where can everybody find you? Um, I'm on Instagram, Ayla Cuenca Birth, and my website is aylacuenca.com. And then I have a Telegram channel that's a little bit more raw <laughs> and uncensored, um, and that's Ayla Cuenca Birth on Telegram. So yeah, please. I, I love answering questions. Um, I do a lot of Q and A's and I really want everyone to feel like they're getting resourced and educated. Even if you're not planning to have kids or you don't think you want kids, you probably know someone who has kids and who wants to have kids. And so how do we best support the people in our lives? It's just tapping in to the subject matter is, is, is a really great way to connect with our friends and our family. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for joining the show. Y'all, if you have any feedback, definitely DM either of us on Instagram. Um, definitely follow Ayla on Telegram. I think this is such an important topic and it's fascinating to me. So yes. Yeah. Thanks well, so cool. much for having me. Of course. You're welcome. And y'all have a great day. All right. Bye.